Welcome, Pilates Elephants, to another episode where we are going to tantalize you and excite you with tales of uh, growing a business in the uh, city of Sydney um, and how to not be all things to all people and how to find your ideal clients. And I am joined by Nike Moromtsev. Welcome, Nike. Hi, Rav. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this convo. Okay. So, uh, can you introduce yourself to the Pilates stratosphere, please? Sure. Um, so, my name is Nike, and I am a Pilates instructor. I live in Sydney, Australia. I've um, I have a studio, a clinical clinical and group performer studio, uh, with my business partner Fanny. Uh, both of us have studied with Breathe Education. Um, I think that's it. That's about me. I'm a mum. I have a toddler. Life is crazy. <laughs> All right. So tell us a little bit more just about the business. When you say clinical, what do you mean by that? And when you say group reformer, what do you mean by that? Uh, so we've opened, uh, we've initially opened our studio with, uh, 14 reformers, um, in, in one room and we only ran group reformer classes. So just, um, um, just, Normal, normal reformer classes, up to 14 people. Um, and we, Fanny and I are clinical, um, Pilates instructor. We studied with breathe education and we wanted to open up. Well, a, a few clients started asking us for personal training and clinical Pilates. Um, so there was a space available just next door, like in the same building, basically the adjacent space, um, that, um, we had the opportunity to rent on a month by month basis. So we, wanted to trial and see if we could open up that space to personal training. So we moved um, to reformers here uh, with our barrel and wonder chair and some kettlebells and all these kind of things and started opening up our agenda basically to clinical clients. Yeah. So we now run PT, semi, semi-private clinical classes, mums and bubs. Awesome. Fun. And so semi-privates are like two on one, three on one. Uh, we have up to four people. Awesome. Yeah. Good good business model. Yeah, not challenging at all. <laughs> Four bodies in the room, that's fine. And is it just you and Fanny teaching at the studio? Uh, no, we have, um, so I think all together we have about eight, uh, eight instructors so far. Uh, we are still recruiting more um, and we've been lucky to get a lot of um, uh, breathe education grads who have been coming to us for mentoring. So we work with them and then eventually they, um, move up to, um, yeah, to teaching the group classes. We've just hired somebody actually last week, um, who just graduated about three weeks ago with you. We've been doing some work with her. Um, so yeah, it's good. Um, clinical. Yes. So at the moment, it's just me and Fanny, um, waiting on Clancy to get her, uh, clinical diploma and then she'll be helping mm-hmm. as well. And shout out to Clancy McWaters. Yes. Um, so that is actually a great way to find staff in my experience is by mentoring people. Oh yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your strategy of how you, how you find people to mentor. How do you choose? Cause it takes a lot of energy, right? And time for you to mentor somebody. So how do you choose the right people to mentor? Um, so firstly, I'd like to say that I don't mentor, Fanny does. I have absolutely zero patience when it comes to that. <laughs> uh, I'd be a terrible teacher. Um, that's, 
Finnish side of the business, we've got very defined um, roles, and and that that is um, her role. So we um we've we've been uh, posting in the uh, breathe education um, group, um, and and basically saying that we we are open to mentor um, grads, and so some some uh, students who are well current students have been basically coming to the studio. Uh, coming to the classes, we offer them basically a discount to be able to join the classes um, and participate to the classes. And then they can also come and just observe the classes. And then what then happens is that Fanny makes time with them on a weekly basis. Um, as soon as they're a bit more familiar about how we teach um, and all these kind of things, she makes time with them. She asks them to teach her snippets of classes then they debrief, they, uh, we work on feedbacks. Um, and we've done it only a couple of times, but, um, from time to time, we ask some of our clients if they're available at a random time in the afternoon to come for like a, we call it a behind the scene class. Um, and then that would be these people's official first class, right? And obviously the clients get it for free. They're very happy. Like it's a community studio, so they're very happy to be part of that. Um, and it's always just great to actually see them take that first class, you know, like that very, very first class that they're teaching is really good fun. Um, so yeah. Um, and so how do you, how do you, if, if I apply, if I see your notice up in the, mm-hmm. the group and like, do you filter people? And if so, how, what do you filter for? How do you choose the right people um, and not the wrong people? Look, we, we do, we filter, you know, at first we ask them to, um, I, I don't think we really would be speaking to people unless they've actually been coming to the studio. So um, that's a big thing that I've learned when I was studying with uh, with Breathe Education is that you have to you, you have to show that you well you can't just apply for a, like to work at a studio that you don't know. You might not like us. You might not like the vibe of the studio. You might not like what we're about. So we usually would only take seriously application from people who have come to our classes. Um, and I think because you guys say that um, to students when they start studying with breathe education, um, most of them would have bought a start pack, come to the classes and then email us and say, hey, I've been coming to your studio, really love the vibe, it's really good fun, would love to chat. And so sometimes we just, you know, tell them come to one of the last class of, you know, my classes or Fanny's class and would have a chat with them. Um, and, yeah, I think I think as soon as they walk in and see the vibe, see the clients, they can see if it's for them or not for them. Um, and then in the first couple of initial conversation we have with them, you know, it's usually very clear whether they'll be a good fit or not. Mm-hmm. And if, and, and if we think they'll be a good fit, then we start working with them. They might not get a job in the end, you know, they might not, they might not be space, but then they would have got mentoring out of that. So that's, I guess that's great. Uh, we would have made connection. It's a great program. Um, and it's interesting. We've, we've recently hired a couple of trainers, uh, at Breathe Education. And when we advertise, like we got heaps and heaps of applicants, we've got like 44 or 45 applicants for this role. And we only interview like six people. And that's because the applicants, like when they apply, like some people just like, you know, dear sir slash madam, I heretofore apply for this you know, role, please see attached my curriculum vitae, you know. Um, uh, and you can tell it's like they don't, they've it, not as bad as that. No, no one was as bad as that, but that's the, the I'm kind of exaggerating to make a point, but, yeah. but you can tell that. And then there are other people that they, when they apply, they're like, 
OMFG, I've been following you guys for ages. I love what you do. I love it when you did this. I love it when you did that. I really want to help you on your mission. It really resonates with me. And you're like, oh, this person gets us, mm. you know? Yeah. And so that right there is your filter. You're exactly right. So it's basically you want people who've already drunk the Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, you know, you, you're, I mean, we're, that's what we're about to talk about, but you, you, you do a lot of work to find your clients. And yeah. so the, the people that you are going to hire to be in front of your clients and, and teaching, you know, exercises to your clients, um, you want them to be aligned with your values. Yeah. And if they're not, totally. that's fine. If they, if they're not aligned with our values, that's fine. Like they might, they might want to go somewhere else. So they might want to work at, you know, in a studio where, you know, the vibe is different and that's so mm. fine. Um, mm. but yeah. So how many classes do you run a week now? Mm, I think 54. And that's for the group performer? Mm, yeah. Um, and then on top of that, we've got, so far we've got, I think it's about four scheduled classes of a mix of mums and bubs. Um, and so mums and bubs is semi-clinical. So, um, um, there's also only four people in here and then, um, yeah, semi-clinical. So that's, yeah. And then on top of that, we've got quite a few clients now that are coming to see us on a weekly basis, just for one-on-ones. Um, so we're busy. Uh, we're definitely busy. Um, we need more, we need to add more classes. I need more staff so that we can add more classes. What a great Why does problem anyone to want have. to work at five in the morning? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's what you sign up for. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, so tell me about your, so your business, you have, you know, the main, you know, revenue engine in your business is that 14 bed reformer studio. And so who, who are your clients? Our clients are mostly women, um, mostly women between 34 and I'd say if I'm going to have an average 34 to 55 years old, um, definitely, definitely people wanting to be strong. Um, I, I, I feel like we've, we've done a very great job of filtering, uh, the people who want to come to Pilates and exercise to, um, you know, lose weight or things like that. Like, I think, I think we've, we've made a great, a bit, a big job at, at, at creating, our, working on our values and who our clients were. Um, and, and so we've, we've managed to get that, which is just, just everyday mums, you know, like a lot, a lot of the people that we have here are just everyday mums who just want to come and exercise because they feel great exercising. Um, we are a fitness reformer, um, kind of exercise group. Um, so definitely Amy's podcast with you last week definitely resonated with me because that's exactly what we do. Um, we definitely not on the let's let's stretch for an hour kind of side. We're definitely on the let's get out of here very sweaty kind of side. Uh, and so so that's who our clients are. Like they just, you know, they just don't have like they, they might have just one hour a day of free time because they're busy moms with their own business and have things to do. So they want an hour to count. Mm. Um, so we help them do that. And you do, do you still run, still run like this, basically the strengthening classes and then the cardio mm-hmm. classes? Yeah, so yeah. tell me how so, that works. Um, so we've aligned our schedule with um, the exercise um, exercise guidelines. Oh, 
right? Physical Help activity me. guidelines. Physical activity guidelines, that's right. Um, and so, which is uh, 150 minutes of um, cardiovascular exercise and two sessions of strength and two sessions of um, um, flexibility, balance kind of um, work. So we now have Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We run Dynamic, which is your cardio class, uh, and they really are cardio classes. They're not just Pilates faster. They just, they literally, we have cardio clusters in there, like we are making people sweat. Um, and then the strong classes are definitely your resistance training. Uh, there's, you know, no components of balance in there. We're really kind of like, working on that muscle strength to bring the muscles to failure and then moving on. Uh, so l- l- slower, less reps kind of thing, very heavy. Um, and then we've got Saturday, we just brought a class called Total Body Conditioning, which I basically call um, Dynamic and Strong Having a Baby. Mm, hit training. Um, so that's your injury. That, to me, knowing what I know, this is your real strength class. Because you go fast, you go powerful movement, time under tension. You just, you know, the explosive movements uh, and very heavy springs. Uh, and then Sunday we have flow, which is um, slow. Uh, uh, we should call it slow burn with a little bit of bending and twisting. <laughs> uh, Amazing. So that's, yeah, that's our classes. And it's working really well for us, actually. Um, it's been like people have taken down board really well, uh, and we've been educating them on our Instagram and talking to them about why it's structured that way. Um, I think the only other business that I know that's structured that way is F45, where your Monday, you know, Monday's cardio, Tuesday's strength. I love how you've got those, the strong classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which is where you're doing your strengthening work. And so... Mm. Me, if I'm a client, I can't sort of accidentally come to like back-to-back strength-based classes on two consecutive days, which is, you know, clients are prone to do. But because basically you've organized the timetable in such a way that there are no strength classes on consecutive days, basically, if I just show up every day, the timetable, the schedule just takes care of me and I get exactly what I need when I need it. That's right. But also if you're a runner um, and run three times a week – then you can come on Tuesdays and Thursdays only and just do your strength classes with us and you get your cardio in your running classes. The strength training that we are doing is great for you as a runner because it's going to help you run better, more efficiently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's basically how it works. That's amazing. All right. And so tell me, so you, you know, you said you are, your clients are, basically just regular mums who want to be, who want to exercise, want to be strong because Mm. they feel great when they do those things. So, you know, the kind of the the topic that we talked about off air before we started this conversation was basically finding your ideal clients and not being everything to everyone. So, so how have you, you know, firstly, what do you mean by that? And then secondly, how, how have you arrived at this particular set of clients? So let's just go with the first question. What do you mean by find your ideal clients and not be everything to everyone? Uh, well, you can't, like, it's, it's, it's not, it's not possible. <laughs> we're, 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 we're all humans. And, and I think if, um, I tried, we tried when we first opened because everybody's so well-intentioned that, you know, you always want to live in that ideal world when, where you can possibly be everything to everyone. Uh, the thing is, I felt like we were 
failing our stronger clients by trying to attend to the less able clients. Um, and if I was trying to attend too much to the strong clients, then I was failing the less able clients. And so we had to, we had to, um, I guess it took us to just take a deep breath and go back and look. We did a lot of work, um, a, a lot of branding work, um, in which we found who, what our values were and what our clients were. Um, and, and so we just went back to that. Be like who we are and who, who, who do we want our clients to be? And anyone who, um, for whatever reason, we cannot help, um, then, then we need to, we can still help them. We can help them find a solution. We can see them in the clinical space, but then it might not be possible for them to attend the group classes. Mm-hmm. Or if they do want to attend the group classes, because to them it's, you know, it's, it's a mental health issue then they need to accept that they they need to know what they're doing in the class and 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 you know you do you kind of thing. I, right. I, I don't I don't mean to say that in a in a in a bad way. Um but, but yeah if, if somebody if somebody has, has some health issue that doesn't allow them to follow a very basic fitness class but they still want to belong there then they need to know what position to get into if they need to modify an exercise. Um, right. And that's the work that we do in clinical Pilates. Right. And, you know, I guess the, uh, the, the, the counter narrative to that is that, well, you can just do layers and levels in your class and do easy versions of things and layer yeah. up to it. And that way you can make it accessible to everybody. So why don't you just do that? Um, look, we do. Uh, we do actually. Um, I, I have, I have one of, one of my big value as, as a business owner is that, um, and what something that we try to teach to our instructors is that we should never have to modify an exercise. We should, we should be, um, building layers in within a class to, um, to allow people to get into the next step of this exercise or to stay where they want to stay. Um, so, so that's, that's a big thing for us. And I, I would, and we now, um, we spoke about this, uh, but we also have, um, layers, uh, levels in our classes. So you can come to dynamic level one or dynamic level two. And, um, you know, dynamic level two as, you know, a certain starting position and dynamic level one has a certain starting position. But I do, I mean, I've had, I've had clients, we spoke about this off air. I've, I've had, um, a client who has healer Dan loss syndrome, which is basically, um, like a, a genetic um, a connective tissue disorder, basically. So she's very hypermobile. She has joints pain. She has loose joints. She would wake up one day and be very, very in pain. And another day she'll be okay, but she she can't feel any stretch, for example. Um, so this client attends. That is totally our- incomprehensible to me. I can't. I know, and, and it's really like. hard, yeah. right? I know. I know we're privileged because we, um, obviously, you know. Um, I'm assuming that you're in the same position as me. I don't know what it is to live with pain every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very hard to understand. I had a big conversation with her about, um, about our group classes and she wants to join the group classes because she, her condition made her have a very lonely life. She's not married. She doesn't have kids. Um, there's a lot of things that she can't do. So I think she has a very limited group of friends. Um, and so for her, it fills her cup to be able to come to our group classes and that's okay. But we having clinical classes together 
for her to know that, you know, when we do a certain exercise that doesn't suit her, then she has a position to fall back on. And so she comes to our classes just once a week and then once a week with me. Um, but half the time she, she'll be doing, you know, there's probably only a handful of exercises that she feels comfortable doing. Everything else just does not feel right. Um, and, and that's on the days that she wakes up and she's not in pain everywhere. So you can't, uh, I can't make one class accessible just for this person. Right. So when you, when you do use, when you use layers, which is just basically means starting with a really easy version of mm-hmm. an exercise and then adding a slightly harder version, slightly harder version, and yep. people can just kind of get off the bus at whatever stop suits them. So when you do that, you do open up your class to a broader range of abilities, but it's not infinite, right? So you can't have somebody there who's, I don't know, extremely sedentary and unfit and elderly, and then someone else who's a 20-year-old, you know, professional dancer, and then, you you, you know, even the most skillful instructor isn't going to be able to make the class ideal for both of those people. Like, you could probably sort of accommodate both of them, but you wouldn't be able to give them, wouldn't be able to give them, like, the workout that they really, you know, need and want. You can definitely make the classes available to everyone. Um, and I, and I like, that's great. Um, but there will be a lack of challenge yeah. for the stronger person in the room in a way. There will be. And it's, you know, sometimes it is what it is. I'm sure it happens sometimes. Um, but if you do cater for that strongest person in the room, then you're probably going to make that less able person in the room feeling like crap when she comes out. And that's definitely not something that I stand for. I want everybody to leave the room feeling very happy. So mm-hmm. we, we've, we've built up layers in our classes. So if you come, um, and that's, that, that all comes from a, a workshop that we had with, um, Nate and Russ's Reese. And, and I know Laura from, uh, Rise did the same. We've all kind of adopted, uh, we drank his Kool-Aid, but, um, but it was really helpful for us because he was, um, he was very, um, uh, I guess, you know, he, he said to us, he said, you, you're going to lose clients at some point because your very strong clients are going to want to yeah. find their next challenge. Yeah. And we're not with it, like as a business, I mean, there, there is, um, there is no shortage of new Pilates studios opening, right? There is like, and there's room for all of us, but, but if you don't challenge your clients or if you don't find a way to retain your clients, then they're going to move on to the next good thing. Um, and, and, and so, so that, that's what we're trying to do. Like I, as much as I would love to be, um, able to have a business that, and, and say, oh, we've kept our open classes for everybody because this is a perfect world and this is how it works. It doesn't work like that. Um, and, and, and we need to, we, we need to make it work. We need, I, I need, I need my 6 a.m. guns to have enough challenge. And so, you know, um, but I also need, you know, they know that if they book to a level one class, the class is going to be a level one class. Right. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean they're not going to sweat, but they know it's a level one class. So they're not going to come out of this class being like, oh, I didn't feel like I was challenged enough today because we didn't do lunges standing up with one foot on the footpath. Well, no, it's a, it's a level one class. You probably felt a burn because you did lunges, but they were on the floor because we keep people close to the machine in a level one class. Um, so I do, I do feel like my, our levels are different to what, um, Laura, 
Laura's level are, like in the way we've defined them in within the studio. Um, but we had to define them so that we could keep our clients happy. Mm, mm. And they are happier. Right, because if I'm a beginner or if I'm a more advanced student and I just am really feeling run down today and I wanted just an easier class, well, if I show up at a level one class, you know, I am expecting a certain thing. You know, and so I, I don't want to be smashed in a level one class. Yeah. Um, so the way, the, the way our levels work is that it, level one doesn't mean you're going to work any less. Mm. So if it's a cardio class, you're still going to be sweating mm-hmm. a lot in a level one class, but you're going to do it close to the machine. So it's about the skill level and the, like balance and things like that That's rather right. than rather than uh, your necessarily your fitness. That's right. So so um so in a in, in our level one class, um a plank would be starting with um you know planks on your knees and then evolve up to like planks on your toes. And then we, we know um as fitness instructors there's so many ways that you can make that plank still challenging even on your knees, mm. right? Mm, mm. Um, and there's still progression in within our, our levels, right? It's just not, it's not just black and white. There's still a lot of progression in within that, but you would stop on plank on your toes. And then in a level two class, our starting exercise would be plank on your toes. Your progression would be hands on the shoulder post and toes on the foot bar, right? Um, and, and that, that's so, so if anyone, if any level one, new client or, or, you know, somebody who can't plank on their toes come to a level two class, I probably would come to them during the class and be like, hey, we're about to plank. If you want to go on your toes, that's so fine. There's absolutely no problem with that. But I might not cue it because that's just not the level. Everybody else, they'll be going up onto their plank, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is how – so lunges, you know, level one lunges, they're on the floor on a stable platform or there's a way for you to hold the foot bar in a way or if we do some kind of like rush, like reverse lunges, Russian splits, whatever, you've got the short box there with your hands on it. Your progression eventually might be to stand up, but people still have the option of having their hands down. Um, your level two version will start standing up. Um, and you know, our level three class, our level three option might have their foot on the foot, their back foot on the foot bar rather than on the platform extender. So that, that's how we've laid our classes. It's, it, it's, it's more the, the, as you say, like the skill rather than they're still going to feel like a level one class. They're still going to come out of there really sweaty. If it's a cardio class, they would have still worked their muscles enough. If it's a strength class, it's just that the, the position of your body is closer to the machine in the level one. Mm. So, so you've got these overlapping kind of layers. So within each class, you have layers, right? So you start off with the easier version, then the medium version, then the hard version. And then you've also got like each class type is a layer. So your level one is kind of the easy version, but it's a range within level one. And then there's a range within level two. And is there any overlap between level one and level two? Yeah, your, your, your most challenging layer in level one would be your starting layer for level two. So if I'm in the level one classes and I'm choosing all of the most challenging layers, that's when you tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, Raph, maybe you should come yeah. to level two. Yeah, yeah. We, I, I, I tend to, because like, I don't, obviously, I don't see ev- everyone. Um, and my, my hours of teaching in the studio are being reduced as I'm taking on more uh, private clients. So I, I tend to text people 
Um, you know, I'm getting the, the feedback from our instructors and, and then we also, like, I mean, it did happen a couple of times where we literally just changed the level of an entire class because we've realized that everybody, everybody's doing it. Yeah. We're just right yeah. there, right? You read the room, you, you, you know how, how, how things go, but yeah. Um, it's, it, it, it definitely surprised us. Like as, as we opened the studio, I've had, there was that, you know, that gap when you started advertising where you don't have a studio yet. And we've had so many people contacting me um, and calling me and be like, hey, I've never done reformer Pilates before, so I'm a total beginner. I don't know if this is for me. I don't know if I'm going to like it. Um, what class should I try? You know, what should I do? Um, and then it was like, as we opened, I said to all the instructors, I was like, guys, take it easy. Like, I know you're all guns, but like, let's just take it easy because I think everybody's very, very beginner here. Like, let's, let's just, you know, all the classes were open level then. I was like, let's just, you know, let's just keep it down. Like, let's just tone it down a little bit. And then the first week went by and we realized that there was no toning that down. Like nobody, everybody, like if we said, let's grab some dumbbells, everybody would go for the four and the five kilos. Like at week one, um, if we, you know, like people would just take on, like you say, they would take on every single layers that we were offering them. And then in contrast, we'll get some new clients who were, uh, uh, you know, in their late sixties or seventies, and they were trying to keep up with the younger ones, which gave me a few, you know, minor heart attacks. Um, but yeah, like they would, like, I, I remember teaching a class, which like literally scared me. We're doing sidearm on the box. Um, and I had a client who's in her seventies and she's really active. Like she's a, a like, uh, she's great. Uh, she's been active her whole life. So she's really, uh, but she's still 70. Um, and so her balance is not as great and everything. And she's been doing a lot of boxing, comes to Pilates, her first class with us. She's with uh, her daughter and her granddaughter in the class as well. And we're doing sidearm on the box and, and I see everybody's doing it and it's an open class and I have a few very able people in the room. And so I give them the option to um, try to stand up, you know, like sitting on the box, but coming to like add a squat to that. And then she starts doing it. And then I, there's me just standing behind her being like, ah, <laughs> yeah, okay, I could see her fall. And she didn't. She was awesome. But that's probably when we were like, okay, we need to do something about this. Big. Mm. Because this one day could be somebody falling off. So, all right. So you've got, so, so how does this, you know, relate to the, how does, where does the concept of uh, not being everything to everyone come in? Because this, this sounds like the way that you've described it, it's very, it's very uh, open to, for different people. Like if I'm a beginner, an intermediate or advanced person, I've basically, there's a place for me here. Um. Yes, yes, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that we're not, um, we are very athletic studio. And so, um, you know, we've had, we've had a few people decide not to sign up because that was not what the idea of, of Pilates was. Ah, uh, yeah, quote, it's not Pilates, end quote. Quote, 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 it's not Pilates. Um, yeah. um, and, and. Hashtag real Pilates. <laughs> well, I, I think people have an idea, like people might be doing Pilates with um, their physio or, you know, and there's a lot of studios as well who are very um, careful and there's still a lot of studios um, out there who are, um, you know, telling you how to breathe and all these kind of things. So then you come to a studio like us when we're like, 
let's start with some mountain climbers because it's a dynamic <laughs> path and people just don't know where they are, um, which is fine. Like this is just, they're just not our clients, you know, mm. and that's fine. Um, we've, um, you know, and, and, and so I, I can't, I'm not going to change the way our studio is for, for, for these people. Um, we've also, we've also had clients coming thinking that parties like group Pilates was uh, maybe they a, a way of rehab, maybe because their physio might have told them, hey, you mm-hmm. should start Pilates, and then they just didn't look any further. So they would come to the class. When you ask every, the whole class if anyone has any injuries or pregnancies in the class that you need to know about and nobody responds anything, and you put everybody in a four-point kneeling and you've got one person who just puts their hand up being like, sorry, I can't, I can't um, kneel because I just had two knee replacements. Um, and... And I mean, that's a pretty basic position to be in, in a group exercise, you know, uh, and that person should have been in a clinical setting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and, and so as, as a young business owner, that really upset me at times. That was, that was very upsetting for me to just, I guess, I guess I, I was, I had the idea in my head that we were going to be accessible for everybody because that was part of the values that, Fanny and I wrote down when we first opened our business, we wanted to be inclusive and welcoming and accessible to everyone. But the reality is that I can't be that because some, mm-hmm. some of the clients from the group, I'm talking in a group setting. I'm not talking about in a clinical setting. Um, mm-hmm. but in a group setting, you can't be that because, because there's, there's a certain group of clients that you've defined they were your clients. And I can't take my attention from the people who are, paying our instructors, paying our rent, paying me, (laughs) you know, I can't take my attention from these people to serve maybe a handful of person. I can help that handful of person. I can guide them to maybe go see a physio, a chiropractor, or maybe I can work with their chiropractor and help them in a clinical Pilates setting, but I can't do that in a group, in a group Mm. class. When I first started, when I first opened uh, Breathe Well Being back in the early well, mid two thousands, I, you know, I fell into that pothole. It sounds like you didn't fall into it; you stepped around it. So congratulations! But uh, I fell into it where somebody would come in and they would be like, "Oh, you know, I don't really fit into these group class categories that you've got, but I want to do this special thing. Can you do that for me?" And I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I'll do. You know." <laughs> I'll, I'll do this special custom. We'll make a special class just for people with knee replacements, um, or, or whatever. And it's of course, of course, then you've only got like two people in the class and you're paying an instructor or teaching it yourself and, and whatever. And then you end up having all of these, we ended up having all of these like super niche classes, you know, that were really poorly attended because there was only like one or two people who had that particular thing. And yeah, it really wasn't wasn't working and there was just a point where we had to re- we just had to realize because we we're actually just hemorrhaging cash by paying for all these classes that would weren't attended that we just had to go okay well who is our actual customer and who can we who can we serve you know and it was obvious that there were a, there were a certain group of people that was the biggest group that we were serving and they they were filling up the full classes yeah. so we decided yeah those are the people that they're our people it's funny though because you you're actually the one who gave me that advice to um, fail quickly and when things don't work to change them right there and then and don't wait until they work. So that yeah. was that that came from you and that that's why um, I I think when when you gave me that advice, this is when we just kind of decided okay 
like, let's go. We, we literally paid somebody a lot of money to do our branding. We spent hours and hours before opening the studio working on our branding and who our clients were. Um, because if, if, if we, so Fanny and I opened Kefi in during the, the pandemic, during the first lockdown, we started teaching on Zoom. Um, and, and it was awesome. That's right. It was just a Zoom, it was a Zoom studio. Yeah. And our motto was literally, we are doing Pilates for everybody. We're like, you know, this is, this is your place to do Pilates, like to do Pilates if you've never felt like you fitted in the mold of doing Pilates. Um, and we're still big on that. Like I, like I, I love when I've got clients coming being like, I didn't think that this was what reformer Pilates was. Uh, and I love it. And I just, you know, uh, but, but we started talking with somebody. So, um, we worked with James Trenery. Um, and, and shout out was, to James. Yeah, shout out. Um, but yeah, it was, um, and that was from you. You gave me his details. Um, and it took us a year to actually make a, like a proper business mentoring chat with him. And his first thing was like, if you're going to open a physical studio, you need to define who your clients are. Because if your client, if, if you're trying to attract everybody, you're going to end up talking to nobody. Because, and, and, or you're going to stretch yourself thin by thinking that you can help everyone. We cannot help everyone. Um, because, because, you know, there's, there's, there's no way that we can do that and still be able to make, and I'm not even talking about being a profitable business, just running a business without being at loss because you're not stretching yourself thin by trying to help everybody. Um, there's no way to do that. But I would love to know that there's a Pilates studio down the road who helps the people that that can't help mm-hmm. and be able to refer them to these people. I would love to be able to do that. Uh, but, yeah, we, we spoke with somebody about um, who our clients were and we literally wrote down, like, I literally have some client profile, like random clients, like we, we were not even open. We're like, okay, who's our clients? It's uh, And we had to come up with three names and their age and what they do for a living. Like, you know, people that did not exist, we had to make them up. Uh, and, and, and these are our clients. And so we're, we're, we do want to attract the wider population and the people that don't feel like they fit in, um, in a gym where they have to be in the latest activewear and in crop tops and they have to look a certain way. We definitely are there for the wider population but we work only with, I would say, able bodies in the, as far as the group reformer is concerned. Um, and, and then the clinical Pilates, obviously, we can help a broader range of people. But even, I mean, even saying that, uh, you are there for the people who sort of don't feel like they fit into the, the mold or the image uh, or the aesthetic, say, of what Pilates is meant, you know, quote mm-hmm. meant to be and mm-hmm. i identify with that group um because i can't touch my toes very easily and i don't have the latest active wear and i sweat doing the hundreds i don't have yeah. i don't have a a, a, a dancer's body never yeah. did Me you too. know like i don't fight with that <laughs> um so i i identify as one of you know as one of those people but even saying that is really sort of sticking you know sticking up for one group and saying okay we we are for these group but therefore well, what about the people who do like 
the latest activewear and do look like dancers and do think it's important to be graceful, you know, as you exercise and whatever. It's like, well, there's nothing wrong with those people. They're fine people, but they're not your people, right? They're not my target market. Yeah. They're more than welcome in the studio. Like I, I have I have a lot of these kind of clients. They're more than welcome in the studio. But if I speak to somebody, like the posts that I do on Instagram are Google advertising, are Facebook advertising, they're not tar- they're not targeting these people. Right. They tar- they're targeting um they're target targeting the you know the people that we want to target, like like right. who, who our clients are, because that that's how that's how it is. But then there's KX at 10 minutes away from here and they're targeting a different kind of clients. I'm targeting the mums of KX's clients. Right. KX right? And younger, younger crowd. That's right. The yeah. kids got come back and say, Hey mom, I'm doing reformer Pilates and this is awesome. Uh, and then the mums try KX and it might be a little bit too KX, <laughs> you know, daunting. Mm. I don't know. Um, and, and, and so they then would come to us. Mm. Um, I love a KX class, by the way. I, First, first one to say that I love it, but, but it can be a bit daunting to some people to just show up in a class and they might be doing some exercises that are, you know, they have levels too, but just probably mm. in a more, how would you say that? In a more intense level, I would say. Mm. Um, I think also, I mean, I, I love a KX class as well. And I think I've got a lot of respect for KX as a business. I think it's a fantastic oh, yeah. business, but, uh, but there's just, even just just in the age thing, right? Yeah. So even taking Pilates out of it and just going along, like I'm now in my early fifties, it's like I'd feel completely awkward around my daughter's friends. You know, they're all sort of 15, 16. I'm like, I've got nothing in common with these people, you know, <laughs> like just the stage of life that they're at and what they're interested in, the music they like to listen to, the things I like to talk about. It's like, yeah, we've got nothing in common. We're at a different stage of life. And I think if I went along to, you know, a situation like if, if if I go along to a Pilates class, it was like the music that they're playing and the jokes that they're cracking and the pop culture references that they're making and the, 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 the leggings that they're wearing, they're all like a generation, you know, apart, you know, and I would not feel comfortable. I'd much prefer to be around people of my own age who get, you know, who can talk about like nineties TV shows and, you know, all of those other things. That, yeah, I agree. That I, 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 I agree. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think, I think we, you know, that's, and, and, and that's, that's what I mean by, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. Um, we, we're, we're a, a certain thing to our client and KX is a certain thing to their client. And it's great. Like I, like I, I, I go to KX. Like I, I, you know, if I have time, I go to KX and to other studios that, you know, but, but to us, our business model works with the kind of clients that we have, which is the wider population, which is the kind of studio that allows you to just, you know, show up in your track pants if you want to show up in your track pants. Because Mm. I had a client the other day, she came to me, she ran to class and she said, Oh my God, my baby just vomited on my t-shirt and. I stink. I'm just quickly going to go to the toilet and clean it. Like, can you believe doing that in a class where everybody's wearing the latest active wear and have really like sleek hair and then you walk in and they just turn around to you and you've just got like dribble of baby spew. Yeah. Whereas with the, that's right. Um, whereas, um, you know, uh, we've, we've made it that, you know, like, you know, somebody would walk up like that in our studio and everybody would crack a joke about it because, you know, we know. (laughs) 
Right. I'm interested actually to talk about this branding thing more in depth with you because I oh. haven't physically been in your studio. I can just see the, I've seen the background of it a few times when we've been on Zoom calls, but yeah. it looks like a lot of just white space to me, your, your studio. Is that correct? Very airy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the clinical space now. So right. obviously it's, it's a bit different. Um, but yeah, lots of windows, um, sheer curtains, um, and just, um, just our branding. So we've got one, one wall in a, in a bit of a beige, beigey, a bit like the wall behind you, uh, in a beigey color with like just a big Kefi Studio Pilates logo. And then we've got these very cute arch mirrors. That's it. Mm. It's interesting because when I think about the KX branding, it, they, all the KX studios have define yourself on the mm. wall inside the studio. Um, and I think that's brilliant branding. I mean, it's obviously it's working for them. That's why they've got it there. And I think it's very clever because it's obviously it's a double entendre, you know, it's yeah. like, it's like about define who you are as a person, you know, by taking charge of your fitness and health. But it also means like define your physique, you know, become more toned, you know, get a six pack, um, tone your butt all of that stuff. And so I, th- I think it's brilliant marketing, but I think it's, it's brilliant marketing for a very specific segment of the market. And m- I guess the reason I'm asking you about this and I asked you about, so what's on your walls is because I thought, well, my guess is that probably wouldn't work for your market. That would turn them off. No. And actually, if you, if you, if you look at our Instagram, I constantly, constantly talk about exercise for your mental health and to mm-hmm. feel stronger and to get your endurance better, not for the way your body looks like. Yeah. And here's 10 reasons why you should exercise that have nothing to do with the way you look like. And how great would it be if, you know, we could just work out for, you know, mental health rather than, um, you know, the way we look like. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that we don't, we don't talk about that in the studio. Like there is no talk about I lost three kilos or I changed my body through Pilates. That's not what mm. we're here for. Mm-hmm. We're here because exercise is great for your health. Mm. And we're not it, starting a conversation about anything else. It's interesting uh, that, you know, I've talked about my wife, Jules, about this with my wife, Jules, uh, who is basically the same age as me, although I'm going to say she's two years older, um, uh, that, you know, because we're both in our early 50s and so – you know, we're at this point where you can start to notice that you're not the same physically as you were like when you were 20, you know, like it's like, oh, I'm not quite as strong as I used to be. Oh, I'm not quite as fast as I'm not quite as flexible as I used to be. <laughs> My balance is not quite as good. And we both, we both exercise a lot. You know, we exercise like seven days a week. You know, we've got our own gym in the basement. Like we really, <laughs> but there's no denying that whilst you can be fit and strong and healthy at any age, you can't be as fit and strong and healthy at 50 as you can be at 20. Like if you exercise the same number of hours in the week at 50, you won't be quite as strong, quite as fit, quite as healthy as you were at 20. Yeah. You disagree? Um, yes and no. It, 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 so I, I think, I think I am, I look less strong and I probably look less fit now that I'm um, 36 than I did when I was 20 uh, and exercising twice a day and drinking so much wine that I was dehydrated so you could see my six pack. But <laughs> I am so much stronger now. I am so much stronger now. There is no way I could have done, like Pilates, Pilates got me strong mm-hmm. and, 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 and obviously Heath in a lot of <laughs> 
<laughs> in a lot of the diploma classes. Uh, but um, I, I, yeah, no, I, I'm much stronger than I am now. Yeah, but I'm if not, you look at I'm it not, before and after photo, I probably look way more fit when I was twenty for sure. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying that you can't get stronger as you get older. I mean, there are, you, you can put on muscle in your nineties. You know, um, uh, what I guess what I'm saying is, if you train exactly the same way at twenty as at fifty. It doesn't work as well at 50, no. you know. Um, it works almost as well. works almost as well. You know, you can – I mean, I'm I'm still stronger than most 20-year-olds, but I'm not stronger than 20-year-olds who train as much as I train. Um, and that's why you see, you know, professional athletes in most sports retire in the age – at the age of 35 or 40, oh. you know. Um, uh, so anyway – I'm in, so I guess, you know, I'm interested in this conversation because, you know, this is my, my phase of life, you know, midlife and, and Jules and I've been talking about this at that, you know, people um, or some people at our stage of life who are sort of health conscious and fitness conscious and have always been fit and strong and healthy and all of that. Like you start to realize, oh crap, I am aging, you know, like death is, death is on the horizon. I can see it <laughs> out there. And, uh, this is happening to me and it's not just something that happens to old people because, oh crap, I'm going to be an old person soon. <laughs> um, so you start to realize your own mortality and then you start to be, I don't know, first, first, and again, I'm totally generalizing and this has been my experience and my experience talking with Jules, so this might not be, you know, valid for others, but you know, first you sort of think like, oh no, I'm, you know, I can keep my six pack and do this. And it's like, yeah, you can. I mean, there are people who are in their seventies with six packs and you, you know, who can do handstand pushups and stuff. So it's totally possible, but I don't know. It's, it gets harder. And also you, you get less motivated by it, I guess. And you get yeah, to a I was, point. I was just going to yeah, say that. <laughs> you, you get to a point where well, I got to a point anyway, where you re- I don't know, like you'd, I, I guess it's also kind of like clothes, like at a certain age, you need to stop dressing like a 20 year old and start dressing like a more mature person, right? And that doesn't mean wearing like flowing robes and Dame Edna glasses necessarily, but it's like the clothes that suit a 20 year old are not necessarily the same clothes that suit a 50 or 60 year old. And so I think it's, it's something, I'm, I can't really put my finger on it, but it's something about basically accepting your age or, you know, like embracing your age that is a little bit the approach is subtly a psychological approach and your motivations for doing things are subtly different than they were at 20 or even 30 i think so well i think i think also as you get as you get older well i'm 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 in i'm in between right i'm in the between between you between you and the, and the 20 years olds and what i'm realizing is that every year that goes by i care less and less about what people think about my body or what people might think if they see me, you know, um, a few years ago, you would have, you would have never seen me post a photo of me on Instagram where you would have seen a pimple or even just like, you know, a little lump in my, in, 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 you know, the side of my body, if I'm doing a crunch, like that was a no, no. Uh, whereas now I'm kind of like, well, this is my body. It's what it is. Like, it's not going to change anymore. Like, I mean, it's going to change, it can change to a certain extent, but this is who I am. There's only so much I can do. Mm. Um, and, and I'm healthy and I'm happy. Like I have, I have a happy life. I'm healthy. 
what what else do you like do we really care about the six pack i know some mm. people do mm. but 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 that that's that's not the mind state that i'm at mm. i'm i'm at a stage where i'm like well my belly is the way it is because i had a baby uh and i think it doesn't matter how many crunches i'm going to do right now this is probably as good as it's going to get uh unless i start starving myself uh, and being serious calorie deficit. And then I might be able to lose a little bit, but I'm still not going to be happy with it because I've been miserable because I want to eat. Um, and so I, yeah. Um, so de- definitely that does a kind of, yeah, that I, mm. we're, we're probably targeting, like our target market is probably the client who has, who have, uh, who don't care as much. I'm sure people, like everybody cares about what they look like. I put makeup on and I do my hair because I really care about what I look like. But um, there, there, there are things that are just less important as you yeah. get older. Yeah, priorities change. Yeah. Uh, also, would you say that you? I mean, do you, I'm interested to know to what extent this this rings true for you? Like when I was a kid, I had basically zero criteria for being friends with someone. Like I'd be like, I'm a kid, you're a kid, let's be friends. You know, bam, let's go play, and so. Then you you know at a certain stage you realize oh actually I've got nothing in common with this person you know like <laughs> the fact that we happen to be the same age is not enough anymore <laughs> you know because they're interested in sports and I'm interested in reading or whatever you know when in your teenage years you get interested in different things and then you uh, then in that and to me that has only kind of become more pronounced as I've got older I've got more and more selective about who I want to spend my time with and so like. Probably now, like, I don't know, 95% of the people I know are, are not in my inner circle of friends because it's like, and it's not that I don't like them or I don't think they're good people. It's just like, it's not, I don't feel like it's a good fit. And yeah, I have, I guess I have much, I, I've, I'm not sure, I don't really have like criteria or like a list or anything, but it's like I've got much, I guess I've got much more selective or much. Yeah, I'm much more selective, I guess, about who I who befriend. Who give time to. Yeah, who I give my time to. And it's not its not a judgment of those people I don't give my time to as not being good people. It's just like we're not a good match in my view. Does that happen to you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I, uh, I have my own business and a toddler and, um, and life in general. I'm, I think, I think my circle of friend has reduced, um, a lot over, over the years because, well, you know, before you have time, you go out, you go like, and you, you, you have different stages of life as well. Like, yeah. you know, in your early years, you have your, um, your friends that you go out with because they're fun to go out with or they're great wingmans and, you know, and that's good fun. And, uh, and you're single at the same time. And then all of a sudden you might meet somebody and then a lot of these friends just still want to go out and party and you're not in that mind frame anymore. And then, um, I was one of the first, um, of my group of girlfriends to have a baby, right? So we were the last one of my husband's group of friends to have a baby, but I was the first of my group of girlfriends. And like for a little while, I felt like we were, I wouldn't say unbalanced, but you know, I was always the one showing up late to stuff because I had to hand the baby <laughs> out to somebody or uh, I was really tired. And so I wasn't as present on group chats and stuff. So I like it's, you, you, you tend to then reduce the amount of time that. And then did you more be, start to befriend other women your age who had 
kid? Uh, no, actually, no, I haven't. I just waited until um, Fanny got pregnant. And we've had things in common again. No, but um, no, no, I think, um, no, I just, I just, I just think that there are, there are just people who, who just kind of come through stages of life mm. with you. I mean, sometimes you can reconnect with somebody later mm. on. Uh, but yeah, you have, you have to find your tribe and the people that mm. understand where you're at now. Mm. Um, all right. And so you have, you know, got really conscious about finding your tribe. And so, and what I heard you saying, I think, is that the, 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 the avatars that you created, the, the client personas that you created before you opened didn't really fully match what you, what ended up being your tribe. Is that what, is that correct? Oh, no, 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 they did. Okay. They actually, they 100% did. Like, okay. And, but, but then, so what then happened is when we did have clients who, were I guess more difficult to have as a client. I I, I don't know how to say this without sounding like a terrible human. So like yeah, if I'm, say if like, I'm saying sound like a terrible human, you'll be fine. No, but like if I if I'm saying something that's really not politically correct, let me know because I've I've had very little filters and I don't realize it most of the time. Uh, well, but, you're talking um, to the wrong person if you want to <laughs> help with um, that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but when we then started having, you know, these clients who would uh, come and say, "I've just had two knee replacements," or this or that or the other, then um, that 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 I think is where we started questioning ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think it was good for us to then have these avatars that we can go back to and be like, "Hold mm-hmm. on." We've, we've just paid somebody like close to 10 grand <laughs> to do our branding and to do this entire, like to literally design our business, right? As far as the branding and our, our, um, uh, voice was concerned and our vision. Mm-hmm. And why would we just go and change it? Because we have five people out of 300 clients who need that changed. Can we do mm-hmm. something with these five people? Can we direct them somewhere else? Can we help them in a clinical Pilates mm. setting? Um, but then, then the issue is, you know, when you're going to, if you talk about accessibility is by making our classes, um, uh, you know, by moving these clients into semi-private or, or, or um, clinical Pilates, then it wasn't financially as accessible to them anymore. Mm. And I guess, you know, the whole accessibility thing is a loaded, term um yeah at at the moment but i think uh it's i think it's you know there are there are two meanings of the word accessible there are multiple actually multiple meanings of the word accessible but i think that i think the problem arises like i think i want to say straight out that i think everybody just about everybody in the world like wants a better world where people are kind and considerate and and accepting of each other and you know where everybody's welcomed like i I think we all agree on that i don't think there's anybody going no i think we should be more mean to people you know of course and and when you can't help and when you can't help somebody as uh, whether it's a friend or a family member or a client you feel like shit like you do right yeah um so no i i'm but some sometimes as a business you don't like, or, or as a human, as a, as a instructor in general, you have to be um, grown up enough, I guess, to just say, I can't actually help this person. Not, yeah, in this, well, not in this situation. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think the, I think 
I think where a part of the problem is, is there's a con- when we confuse the name of something or the intended effect of something with its actual effect in the real world with flesh and blood humans. So say something like making your classes accessible, right, to all people. Well, that is a fine thing. It's like, who wouldn't want that? You know, like I said, everybody wants a better world. Everybody wants us to be, you know, people to be kind, I'm assuming. Everybody wants people to be, to feel welcome and valued. But the thing is, all right, so that's a great, that's a great name and it's a great policy and it's a great intention, but it's not actually physically possible in the real world of flesh and blood humans. When you have somebody with two knee replacements four weeks ago and you've got somebody else who's an elite gymnast, like how are you going to accommodate both of those people in the same session? Yeah. <laughs> it's like there is no way. And, and if you make the class appropriate for somebody with the two knee replacements, well, the gymnast is going to not be challenged, right? It's not going to be... Yeah, it's not going to be accessible to them. It's going to be be inaccessible to them. Whereas if you make it appropriate for the gymnast, well, the person with the double knee replacement is not going to feel included and welcome, right? So there is no middle ground where both of those people go, oh, this class was awesome. It was perfect, right? So, Uh and likewise, like if if you have a, a, you know, if if you are a studio like you are, like you and Fanny, where you are for the people who... Like you said, you know, don't feel like they fit in in a gym where everyone's in perfect lycra or in a KX studio where the music's pumping and it's define yourself on the walls or, or, you know, like you're for people who don't fit that mold. Well, if you're, you know, saying on social media, the, the mental health benefits of exercise and the, the health benefits and getting strong and all of these things, it's like, well, that's all awesome. But what about the people who want a six pack real bad? You know, you're, you're not, ex, not, attracting those people right so but so but there is no way i don't know a way that you could say hey we're for people who want to exercise for the mental health benefits and don't care if you've got a tummy roll right and we're also for people who desperately want to have a six-pack and don't care about anything except appearance you know it's like You've got, you've got to, you've got to pick. And it, it doesn't mean that you can't have all of them as a client, right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't, like I've had, look, a lot of my young clients, I got them through their mums joining the studio and then telling them. And then now they come and they're the one who on the six pack and come with their latest, you know, nimble active wear crop top and they loving it and they love the exercise. I probably, my advertising, probably wouldn't have reached them. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe it would, I don't know. But they probably wouldn't have been attracted by the way our advertising looked. They probably would have looked at our Instagram and be like, um, you know, I kind of want to exercise this for the way it makes me look. Um, and that's fine. But then they they came to us because their mom would have been like, oh, my God, I go to this great studio and everybody's having fun. Everybody's chatting. Nobody takes themselves seriously. We're cracking jokes while we're doing some planking. It's good fun. And then they come and try us. But, but the people that I'm trying to target are not mm. these 20 years old, as mm. much as I love having them in the studio. Well, paradoxically, the the brilliant way that you've designed your schedule and your classes actually is the best and most effective way for people to get a six pack if they want to get a six pack. But <laughs> <laughs> so it actually, the product works, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, that's not what's on the package. That's not what's on the box. The picture on the box is 
have fun, feel good, get strong. That's right. And, and, and you're welcome here if you've never exercised before. And if you don't know what Pilates is, you're welcome here. That, that's, mm. that's, that's who we are. And, and, you know, Fanny and I are trying to be very conscious of that, even in the way that we present ourselves as our, in our own personal Instagram, how the studio is, you know, what, what we post, what we do, what we share. Like, you know, you, you have, you have to find your brand and, and stick with it. Mm. And, and if that brand doesn't work, then you just refine it and stick with whatever the refinement is, but mm. don't create a brand and then try to be, making making a, the world a better place all around it we're not curing cancer we're teaching mm. in the end of the day we we fitness instructors as much as you know we want to like pilates has got that great you know ideology to it we're still just fitness instructors and we do a lot for the world but we're not curing cancer you mm. know there's only so much we can do mm. well i you know I, I think i know what you're getting at there is um, and correct me if i'm wrong but i know you will anyway but um, uh, that, you know, in Pilates, like, yeah, we're just teaching exercise. It's We're not, like, changing society for the better or, that's right. you know, like we're not influencing social policy. We're just helping people get stronger. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't change the world, you as your own person. But, you know, in the end, like in, in the end of the day, and, and it's the same for you with Breathe Education, is that you you have, like, I have, I have staff. I need to make sure my, that I make enough money to pay the rent, to pay my staff, to make sure that they keep their job. Because if we, if I start losing clients because I'm, I'm trying to help way too many people that I'm losing the people that are my main source of revenue, then I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my staff. My staff might lose their job. They have a family to feed and they might not be able to do that. Uh, you know, there's, there is, there's, there's a lot on the table here. So you have you have to stick with what your business is and your values and your clients and and what they are because that's that it's a business in the end of the day even if you're not in there to make money it's still a business that you have to make work people rely on it yeah well I think I want to come back to the make money thing in a sec but I think you're exactly right I mean in as as a business you are making the world a better place in a lot of ways. And one of them is by helping your clients, you know, feel mentally healthy and physically strong and have fun and giving them some social time and all of those great things that happen in class. But you're also providing a a living for a whole bunch of, of employees and their families. And like, there's so many great, you know, uh, sequelae of having that business. And so I, I think it's my personal view that you have an obligation to protect that business, to protect the benefits that you're providing for those clients and those staff members and their families. And so I think, you know, it's, it's your obligation as a business owner to do what's in the best interest of the business because the business does what's in the best interest of those people. And so, yeah, so I think it's, I think it's your obligation to keep it going and to, and to serve those people to the best of your ability. And that does mean you know, calling out your tribe, your people, your community, who you're for, and having your client avatars. Um, and you can't be all things to all people. No, definitely you can't. Yeah, I want to come. I want to come back to the money thing for a, a moment because um, you said that a couple of times. I can't remember if the first time you said it was on on air or off air, but you said like even if you're not in it to make money. Mm. And I don't. I don't. You know. I don't know where that's coming from 
for you, but I think that in a general, in general, I think in Pilates, we have a, a cultural cringe around making money and that I know Nike, I'm a hundred percent certain that you are in this because you love Pilates and you love helping people and you, you know, you get joy from and are motivated by seeing people feel good and make breakthroughs in their physical and mental health. I've, I know that for certainty, right? There's no, not a cell in my body that doubts that. And I think it's okay to make money as well. Yeah, you know, it's okay no, to make money oh, doing I'm, that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, like one hundred percent. And uh, I mean, that's that's the whole point of, um, um, you know, I'm I'm not Mother Teresa. Like, I, 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 I need. I have a, a family to feed, and I have, you know, things to buy, and 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 also, with, you know, it's it's interesting. When we started the business, uh, Fanny and I, it, it was, it was the start of the pandemic and we decided that neither of us was going to get paid, right? The money that was getting into business was to do other fun things with the business and eventually maybe grow it. I remember um, you told me that ages ago. And, 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 and that was, that was so fun. Like we had, I learned so much. Um, and it was such a fun thing to do, but then we decided to open a studio and, and, one of the reasons we wanted to open the studio was because we have kids, um, and maybe future, like, you know, more kids in the future. And, and both of us wanted to, first we had a dream about the kind of studio we wanted to open and, and all these kind of things. But also for us as a, as, you know, a, a mean to make a living, we wanted to find something that would allow us to have I guess more flexible hours and be able to dictate our own, um, schedule and, and be able to, you know, still work. Would we have a second, like, would we decide to have a second baby or whatever? And when we opened Kefi, Fanny's baby was eight weeks old. I know. She still um, was able. Astounding. Not even trying to understand how she did it. Um, but you know, and it, we, we still, um, we, we wanted to find, uh, a, a a, a way for us to still be able to teach group exercise and have clients and, and do the good things that we were doing as instructors, uh, while still being able to, uh, perhaps have another kid and do this and do that. Having a studio for us was a great way to do that because the studio owners, you know, if, uh, if Fanny decides to have another baby tomorrow, if I did, I could take a step back on teaching. It doesn't mean I have to take a step back on doing the admin for the business, uh, doing the customer service, sales, you know, like or the operation side, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that we can still do in the background while still, you know, growing a family or, or these kind of things. So that was a big component of us. Like we, you know, we didn't open a, a, a Pilates studio just, just because we wanted to get people healthier. That'd be very hypocrite to say that. We also did that because we wanted to open a business that allowed us to have a very good work-life family balance in a, in a way as much as you can when you have a business. But you know, you, you know what I'm trying to say? More flexible hours being able yeah. to, you know, um, and, and we'd like to grow that. We want the studio to make money because we want to open studio number two and hopefully studio number three. Like that, that's, that's in the plan. That's in our business plan. Um, and we need, we need to have a certain revenue to be able to pay everybody and also have that. Mm. So yeah, it's, it, it'd be very hypocrite to say, and I, I think it is hypocrite in general to say that you open a business not for money. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think there are, 
Lynn, I agree with you entirely on what you've said, and I, I think my motivations are very similar to yours in terms of running the business. But I think it's brilliant that, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. Like, you can help people and make money. It, it's Absolutely. not. It's not either. In fact, in fact, the more you help people, the more money you can make, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, uh, I think, I don't know, like, I think I probably agree with you that there, there, there is a, there is some, a degree of hypocrisy, but I think it's, I think that comes because people, uh, feel like embarrassed to say that they want to make money and they feel like maybe it makes them a bad person or that they're, they're sort of like selfish or something. And I think, well, if you want to make money by selling people something that doesn't work, yeah, that kind of is selfish. Right. But if, if you actually believe that Pilates does what people think it does, like makes people you know, mentally more healthy, physically more healthy, live longer, happier, like more able to do the things they love, less likely to get injured, less chronic disease, like so many benefits. Like if you believe those things are true, like that's worth, that's worth money. <laughs> those those things like, are worth like, money. Like every like every business out there, like you know, I'm sure your psychologist really, really wants to help people. That's why they became psychologists. They still needs to be to get paid. Yeah, you know, even though I'm sure, I'm sure that they wake up in the morning loving the fact that they're helping people. Well, also sometimes the charging for it actually makes it work better. Like there are. I'm just pulling a number out of the air, but there must be at least 10 million free exercise videos on YouTube, right? That people can literally do for nothing. Mm -hmm. So why don't they? Uh, it, because it's not motivating, right? And part of the part of the motivation is, well, I've freaking paid my membership, so I better go use it. Mm -hmm. right? That's part of them, and there's other parts of the motivation, which is that it's the in-person experience of the the interaction with the trainer and the other client, all of those things, they are part of it. But part of it is the fact that I've paid money and I, that um, by golly, I'm going to get my money's worth. Right. Yeah. So actually when you charge more, the service becomes more valuable because it is more expensive because when it's more expensive, people are more likely to, to commit, right. They, they they go all in because they've paid for it. Mm -hmm. So yes, I mean, if yeah. I if I make a if I make a reservation at a restaurant and they charge me a hundred dollar deposit, I'm much more likely to show up for my reservation, right? <laughs> and that's that's just yeah. the same with Pilates. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and, and we we charge if you also don't show up. So right. <laughs> so, so you better show up. So so so. Yeah, I think there's a false dichotomy between charging money and making money and and doing good and being a good person. I think there's it's a false dichotomy. Yeah. You can be both. Yeah, and I, I think um, um, it, I mean I, th I think I think a lot of people also think that they really want to help people and they really want to make, I don't know, Pilates accessible to everyone and all these kind of things. And so they feel like financially it needs uh, to be accessible okay. for everyone. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I agree. I uh, agree. But I don't think, I don't, I don't think a lot of people go about it the right way. 
I think there are because there are people in so I, I'm so with you on this, and I see this all the time. Um, that you know the that people want to you know, Pilates instructors want to make Pilates accessible to people who can't afford you know the premium price range, and so they make their classes cheaper. But I think that's a terrible mistake because all it does is uh, makes that Pilates instructor make results in that Pilates instructor not making any money. And, it devalues as well the yeah yeah totally it devalues it devalues the other classes and other people's classes. And, and it just result, it results over the long term and that person just not making money. And, you know, often that, you know, that person might come to feel resentful towards their clients for not making, you know, not paying them or whatever. Or maybe not. Maybe they have the, you know, the soul of Mother Teresa and they, or Gandhi and they don't, you know, don't get resentful. But, but the thing is, I don't think that's the right way to do it. I think if you want to make your classes accessible to people who can't afford it, give them a special discount. And then the people who can afford it, charge them premium prices. Right, so if you charge premium prices, like that's our model here. I mean, we're doing something for free right now. You know, you're doing this for free. I'm doing this for free. We're giving this away to Pilates instructors who can't, you know, like people who can't afford to do our US ten thousand dollar course. No problem. Do our listen to the podcast for free, right? But people who can afford to pay for the ten thousand dollar course, they come and do it, and they get another level of value that you don't get in the podcast. But I'm I'm delighted to give away this podcast for free. And I think that's that's the model that you should have as a Pilates instructor if you want to make your classes accessible to people is have premium services for your clients who can't afford it and then give a if you want to do a community class or a free class or discounts for seniors or would like do that. Right? Yeah, or if 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 a client like, you know, we've had um we've had a client coming to us um not too long ago and she had lost a job and, and I I basically made her membership zero dollar for like two weeks until she got on her her feet and but but she was she was a client from day one and she was genuinely upset that she you know and 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 we we are we we do things for the community but it's funny I had um so I had a feedback over email from somebody who did our trial classes right and um she so there's a gym down the road from here um, just a, a general, general gym who also run group classes and, um, they have reformers in there. I don't think they have many reformers. Um, and I don't think their, um, instructors are actually cert for qualified. I think they're just fitness instructors who've done like a, one of those weekend course. Um, and, um, and so this lady basically said, Oh, I really loved your classes and, and the vibe and everything was so much fun, but, uh, you're way more expensive than the gym next door. Um, and so I'm not going to sign up. I was like, Thank, thanks for the feed. I, I don't know what she was expecting from me. <laughs> I said, well, thanks for the feedback. And like, I, you know, she's not, she's not like that to me means that she's just not our client. Right. And then it's that's like she, she's saying, gee, I really like the room service here at the, the Hilton Hotel and the restaurant was so delicious and the bed was so comfortable, but it's just so much so much more expensive than the Comfort Inn next door. You know? <laughs> no, and like, look, we're, we're a boutique um, reformer studio with whatever that means, right? We can only have 14, like 14 people at one time in one room. I cannot fit one extra person. Which means that these fourteen people's in the room needs to make it worth it running this class. 
I, like I can't charge people $20 a week to come and do these classes. I wish I could. I wish the word wasn't the, the way it is, but I can't because we have to pay the rent because we're in Sydney and it's expensive and instructors and, you know, and, and that that's how it is. If I was running the studio from my garage, maybe I could be a bit more flexible in price, but I, I can't do that here. I have, um, I have things that I have to pay and, 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 and not even me, I'm just talking about things in general. And so it was just really interesting because she, I like, I thought, well, if she doesn't see the value in coming here where, you know, we have very good instructors and we have very good values and we have uh, the things we like, if she can't see the things we have to offer being um, a boutique studio, then she probably should rather go to that gym. Yeah. Um, and, and pay whatever that is. And, and so, you know, I've been in that position of, of that you described as a business owner and I've been in two different situations. One is where I'm like, Oh, I've got plenty of clients who are happy to pay, you know, for this service at this. So yeah, great. Go to the gym. Fine. That's a better fit for you. And I've also been in that other situation where I'm like, Oh, I really need this client. I really need this guy. <laughs> Don't yeah. go to the gym, please. <laughs> okay, what if I give you a $10 discount? Will that? So uh, I sympathize if you're out there listening to this and going, Oh, it's really hard to let a client walk out, walk out without buying something. I totally <laughs> get that. It's so hard. So it's, I'm, I'm the worst with that. Like I, I am so bad because if somebody comes to me and, and says things like that to me, my first instinct is to want to help people, right? And I would give people a discount for them, you know. And I am so glad I had Fanny when we first opened the studio um, because Fanny would just be like, no. Like that she's have a bad no cop. Yeah, she, she, she was, we were just talking about discounts and she's like, no. And if these people are not willing to pay, you know, $75 a week to be a, a client, then, then, then they're not our client. Yeah. You they, know what? Not them. <laughs> I think, and I don't know whether this, if this is how this works with you and Fanny, but I found in my experience that it's much easier when you have somebody who's making those decisions, who's not directly interfacing with the customers, because the person directly interfacing with the customers, they often sort of get caught up in the customer's story and it's like, oh, this person's so lovely. I want to help her and this reason and that reason and this excuse. Yeah. Whereas when you hear the story and you don't know the person, you're like, that's just not our customer. Like it's just yeah. obvious that it's not a good yeah. fit because you're not you're not bought into the story. Yeah, I know. I I I know. I know you've done a podcast about you know partnership and um and and you know having joint businesses and and how sometimes it can go bad. And obviously, we're not you know things have only just started. Like we've only just you know we've only started Kefi in 2020. But I am so happy that I have Fanny with different skills and a different, I guess, mindset to me that we can sometimes just call each other out and just mm. be like, no, you just, this is just not right. You know, and, and, and I'm glad that she does it to me <laughs> when I'm just being a bit of, you know, a bit slack with, cause I'm, I'm one of, I'm, I'm somebody who like in my ideal world, if all the stars were aligned, everything would be accessible for everybody. Right. Yeah. But then I have Fanny being like, Nike, you can't open your schedule at 7.30 p.m. for a client. Like, that doesn't work like that. You're available from yes. 9 to 5, and this is how it is. Stop stop making excuses for people. If I didn't have her, I'd be working 24-7 and make no money. Mm. Well, it sounds like – well, I actually don't think that you guys fit into that category 
I think you are, even though you're both like on the surface, you're both, your skills are, you're both Pilates instructors. Uh, I think you have very different personalities and you bring different, like you say, different perspectives, different mindsets, different skill sets to the business. So I, I see you as a really great match. Uh, you and Fanny. Um, and it seems, um, and my evidence for that is like what you just said. There's like, I love that I've got Fanny in the business. Yeah. You know, so I, I think you guys are exempt from the kiss of death there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your blessing, Graf. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think it is, it is really important and valuable to have somebody, if you're a business owner out there or if you're just negotiating, um, with a client or if, if your client is your, is the business that you work at, if you're an instructor working at a business and you're negotiating your rates or corporate rates or whatever, to have somebody objective who doesn't know the personalities involved, who's not part of the story to go and go, Hey, here's the situation. What do you think I should do? That person, that objective person has a much better grasp of the overall situation than you do because you're probably too emotionally involved. Yeah. And yeah, it's much better to get an objective person to, to, to give you that advice. And often, you know what? I bet you can do this now, Nike, is you can just think like, Oh, what would Fanny tell me? And you can go, yeah, I know. Fanny would tell me to say no, you know. Oh, I just text her. I would just yeah. text her and I'd be like, Oh, this client's asked for this. What do you think? And she'd be like, no. <laughs> um, but you, I but, bet you know, I bet you know that before you even text her. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just the, val- the validation. Um, but. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like you were saying earlier. I think, um, you know, to just summarize everything, um, accessibility is a very loaded word. And, and in, in, in a perfect ideal world, we would be accessible for everyone financially, time wise, um, for all able or unable bodies and all these kind of things. And un- unfortunately, we're only just humans. And that's, that's, there's only so much right. we can do. So that we don't drain ourselves. Like, you know, there's also the component of just still needing to be there for everybody else. Right. Um, we can't solve for world peace all at once. All we can do is no. make the world a little bit better in a small way in our own corner of it oh. by helping a certain certain group of people. Yeah, and you have to have your boundaries. What a great place to leave it. Mm. Thanks, Nike. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means You keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So 
rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.